perspective because it's different than mine. You follow me? So there's growth. <clears throat> and then like when we talk to each other and we fellowship with each other, that's all ministry. We're ministering to each other because Christ in you is expressed through your personality. And as we talk to each other and listen to each other and speak to each other, iron sharpens iron and there's a strengthening that happens um, because we're we're all from different backgrounds. And so I just want to, I just love that because there's such a beauty in that. And I feel like you see that in a conference and that you might not see as clearly in the local body. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many different people. So I think there's a beauty to that and I really appreciate that. So, and then in the process of time, there's iron that sharpens iron, right? And there's change made. So today, Chris is going to help me with my sanctification process. And he's furthered me along. And I'm going to wear this jacket rather than the muscle shirt. So can you help me? Can you help me get it on here? Don't you like to be able to have fun in church? Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Oh, Lord, he's going to put it on. This looks like a good picture right here, man. <laughs> oh, man. He, he says, he said, I'm free, but I'm not that free. <laughs> uh, I already got it on backwards, but it don't matter. It's even better. Come on. It's even better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Behind, let's go, let's go. Yeah, we are, we are the odd couple. Amen, let's go. <laughs> oh, I love it, man, it's fun, isn't it? Amen, I love it. Amen. But, you know, like Saul's armor, I'm going to have to take this off because it's not me, it's you. <laughs> I've not tested it. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. It's cool. Amen. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. I mean, you know, it's not, it doesn't matter what we're wearing. It doesn't matter how long our hair is, how short our hair is, what our nationality is, what our background is. I mean, you know, Christ has become all in all. And we're secure enough in our own identity that we can be ourselves and we can let other people be themselves too without feeling threatened um, without feeling intimidated and we can celebrate the diversity that's in the body amen it's good right all right let's turn to mark 16 please and i want to want to share with you i had an unusual experience with the lord <coughs> few weeks ago and uh it's really changed the course of my ministry and um you know how I many know that you, you have different seasons you know god is a god of seasons and um sometimes the season will change and when it changes you you have to be ready 
to change with the season. Because if you're still doing the old in the new season, it's like old wineskins. And it can't hold what God is doing. And so when a season changes, um, a lot of times there will be an element of discomfort. There will be an element of, of uh, unsatisfaction. And I'm not talking about here, okay? Because our emotions are, this is the emotions, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm talking about the way you feel. I'm talking about right here in your spirit. And so um, that discomfort many times is a catalyst for change. And what we don't want to do is miss the season that we're in because we get stuck in our old model of doing things. I'm not telling you to change your message. You know, once you discover the gospel, that's what you preach. You preached the gospel last night the way you preached the gospel, and it was beautiful. You preached the gospel this morning the way you preached the gospel. Both of your giftings turned my heart towards Jesus and encouraged and strengthened my heart as a product of that, right? And so the message doesn't change, but there are times when God changes the way it's delivered. For example, the pandemic um, shifted the geography and the structure of the church big time. Um, And, you know, the world looks at us and thinks that we're dying you know, statistically, and church attendance, and churches closing down, and all of this stuff, and, you know, they look at us and think that we're dying, but what's happening is, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that that which cannot be shaken will remain, you know, if I had uh, several items on this pulpit, and I told you that one of them was glued, and I asked you to guess which one, I mean, all you'd have to do is shake the pulpit, and, and everything would fall that was not solid or glued, right? And so we've had this season of shaking all over the world, and specifically in the kingdom, and, uh, it, it, and things are being rearranged. Now, the church is not dying. The church is, uh, is really almost in a birthing process. Uh, but I'll tell you what is dying is man-made religion. Things that are born of man are passing away as they do in times of fire and trial. I mean, you know, the wood, hay, and stubble gets burnt up. So wood, hay, and stubble is being burnt up. And that's good, because then that which remains, we know, is actually built by God. I mean, you know, God builds a ministry. God builds a church. God builds the house. God is the builder. We are not called to build. We're not. We're called to steward what's been given to us and be faithful over what's been given to us, whether that be something really big or that be something really small or that be something in between. At the end of the day, we're stewards. We don't decide how big we are, how much we grow, um, what level of renown our name has. You know, all of those things are completely erupt. Now, man's kingdom does not. Man's kingdom is get as far as you can. Get out, get out front, be the first, be the best, you know, don't be the last. And, you know, that sense of striving has definitely entered into the kingdom of God, but that's not a kingdom principle. The kingdom says be faithful over what God's called you to. And how many of the Lord is the one that gets promotion? You want promotion that comes from the Lord. You don't want promotion that comes from man. Man Man-made promotion is not everlasting. God-made promotion is an everlasting promotion. So 
you're faithful over what God has given you, and then God will take care of everything else. Can I get an amen? And so, uh, so there's been a change, and it's actually really good. And so, so the format changed a little bit, and the a vast majority of ministry went online. And man, I mean, we, you know, when this pandemic first hit, I was, I, I preached every single night, forever, and because, because it's what God told me to do, and so He just put it in my heart to do that, you know. And so, man, I just every single night I would preach, and you know what? We saw all kinds of people get saved. All kinds of people get ministered to, you know, people that, that, uh, that's the beauty of social media, like old friends, old party friends, you know, that you would never watch a church service, you know, in their house, freaked out under quarantine, man, I better see what Jeremiah's got to say. <laughs> see, I mean, like, people got freaked out and scared, and so, we were talking about this, and so, like, what they trusted in was shaken. Can't trust, you know, all this stuff, and next thing you know, some people are scrambling, and they're looking around for hope. They're looking around for hope. And and through the online ministry, and many of us, man, we got very active online, we're shooting out hope. You know? And, and unfortunately, there's the other branch of the body of Christ that was taking advantage of people's fear and, and, and releasing doomsday prophecy after doomsday prophecy, unfortunately, uh, which racks up views and scares people, but does not advance the kingdom of God whatsoever. You know, uh, it's a new covenant, folks. You know, the, the function of the Old Testament prophet passed. <laughs> it, I mean, it's just, it's not here no more, you know. You, you don't have a, uh, how many know you brought the Spirit of God in here when you came? You're the temple of the living God. You don't need a go-between. Now, thank God for prophetic ministry. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for all these things. But they complement the teacher that's already within you. You have a teacher. How many know you can hear God for you better than anybody else can? It's New Testament Christianity, it's a New Covenant, man. It keeps it safe. It keeps us from getting weird. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not. Because we don't. You know, we don't need another cult hero in the body of Christ. Can you get an amen? We don't need any man worship. We don't need. We need everyone to step aside and point to Jesus Christ. Every gifting, every calling, every ministry, every church, every man, every woman, every child, point to Jesus. Don't point to yourself. Amen. And uh, because. But we've seen a lot of that in the body of Christ. There's been tons of that. And, uh, man, God is laying an axe to that. He's a jealous God. We don't need idolatry in the church. <laughs> Amen. We don't need to worship people. We need to worship the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, this tr this tremendous distrust of online ministry happened. People were getting saved. They had a, I, this is so cool, but I had a, a witch. Contact, let me whisper, like, it's going to keep, you know, it's online. I'm just wondering if she's watching this. <laughs> I'm going to whisper so no one will know. Are y'all ready? Just us. Just us. We're so funny the way we think, aren't we? Anyway, this witch in the Chicago area contacted me and wanted to receive Jesus. And got saved through, through online ministry. Isn't that wonderful? And so, like, it was just such a thrust, and there were so many powerful things happening. But... A couple weeks ago, I sat down to do uh, my, my Bible teaching, and uh, you know, and I don't, I'm not on every single night like I was in the beginning. I've kind of cut back a little bit, but I'm still on quite a bit. And uh, I sat down to do it, and you know, how many know under the, under the new covenant, a part of the leading of the Lord is desire. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? 
and, and this is the beauty of the new covenant. Old covenant can never give you this, but God will just put a desire in your heart. And man, I'll tell you what, when the, when the want to is there, the grace to perform it is there. And so, you know, Old Testament was always demand, 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 demand. New Testament, God will write something on your heart. And it is, it'll be, it, it's beautiful because out of, because the want to comes, right? So anyway, all that being said, I sat down to teach and immediately I did not want to teach at all. And I wanted to push back from my computer screen and go out to the streets and tell people about Jesus. Like, and then the desire was so strong, I felt like canceling the Bible study. No, I didn't, because, you know, I mean, I'm going to honor what we have set in motion. But I realized at that point that, that my ministry was pivoting, and there was a change that was coming, and there was a change of focus. And so I received at that moment, you know, how many know God can communicate volumes in a split second, right? But then I, you know, begin to kind of lay that before the Lord and see what's going on. And then I realized what he was telling me to do. You know, and I'm not saying, now listen, this is what he's telling me to do, okay? You know what I'm saying? This is what he's telling me to do. I'm not saying everybody should be doing what I'm doing. I'm just telling you what he's telling me to do. Can I get an amen? Because we, we have such a tendency towards that in the body of Christ. But um, I stopped teaching online. I mean, I still do little videos here and there, and I still preach on Sunday mornings, but I'm not doing all these Bible studies. And now, man, I'm just hitting the streets with the gospel. And uh, whether that be, you know, street preaching or, or, or talking to people and praying with people and been taking out groups, like teaching people how to do this as well. And um, it has been the most amazing, fruitful, electrifying season uh, of, of, that I've had in a really, really long time. And people are hungry for love. People are hungry for hope. Uh, don't don't let the, the the media make you think that you know it's so dangerous and awful and that you know you just need to hole up in your house. No no no. The kingdom is a go ye kingdom. You know so many times in times past. You know we have brought our model to the kingdom and our model is this: come ye, come ye to the conference, come ye to my church, come ye. And listen, the ultimate goal of the kingdom is discipleship. And so it is extremely important to come to meetings and learn and be disciples. I mean, that's, you know, that is the ultimate goal is to be a disciple, which is to be a student. But the model of the kingdom is go. Go get them. You know, and, um, and so, you know, let's, let's, uh, Mark 16 and verse 15, Jesus speaking, he said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so there's this element of go in everything that we do. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. You know, and I want it in the uh, NIV, Levertical, Hermeneutical, uh, Mormon, Amplified Message Translation, please. That's my Chris impersonation. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's funny. Uh, but St. Corinthians chapter 5, and, you know, once again, we, we have a mandate, okay? And Mark 16, verse 15, that's Jesus' parting words for you leave to earth. How I many of the last thing you say to somebody for you leave is the most important thing? And so before he left, he said, go. 
Amen. And uh, and preach the gospel. Okay. He didn't say go preach hellfire and brimstone. Didn't say go preach against sin. Say go preach me. Okay. Get an amen. How many of the world seen a whole lot of preaching that ain't the gospel? And one of the things that God began to to lay in my heart as all this was functioning is the unbelievers need to hear the gospel. And, you know, God, God has been restoring the gem of the gospel to his church. That's what's been happening for, you know, the past 10, 15 years. He's been restoring the gem. He's been restoring his son to his church, right? And so many of us, we've had this season of staring at the beauty of Jesus and being awed and transformed and changed and chains being broken off of us, burdens being lifted off of us, us falling in love, beholding the one that's beholding us, the one that loves us. Can you get an amen? And so we've been enjoying it. So there's been a restoration of the gospel to the church. But the purpose, a part of the purpose, the purpose of that restoration is A, to set you free and, and to let you know how much God loves you. Amen. But the, the second part of that purpose is the, the reason the gospel is being restored to you is so that you can share it with the people out there. Amen? Because we've had a poor representation of a beautiful Savior as a result of legalism. And the legalists have been quicker to evangelize than us because fear and condemnation is a quicker motivator. I mean, you know, love's a slow burn. Love, to get love motivated, it's the highest—it's the highest level of your new creation reality. Um, Spirit-led, love motivated. But I mean, you know, that is not an overnight thing. Someone can scare you in a moment and scare you into action. But how I many? You know, it takes time to love you into action. And so it should, because that love has to do work in you before it can really be released out of you. That love starts pouring into you and it starts healing the cracks and, 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 and the bruises and the broken bones and broken thoughts and sharded identity. And it's, it's like this beautiful, oozing, powerful liquid that fills you up in your empty places. And then, but ultimately, it's got this course where it wants to then start to flow out of you. It's like a, it's, it'll overwhelm you. It's like God's, you know, love lava. <laughs> That's not a t-shirt. Let's not put that on one. Um, but it is, It is. you know, he, he looks to, to overwhelm you and then to flow through you. Because, and so, <clears throat> so you've been in a period of preparation of understanding the gospel, receiving the gospel, walking in the gospel, so that you can now share it. Amen. And so, you know, the title of this message is Finished Work Fueled Evangelism. Finished work field evangelism. We've seen way too much legalism evangelism, and it's done more harm than good. But God is raising up ministers of reconciliation, and you are those people. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of of reconciliation. You've been reconciled so that you can go reconcile. Amen? And what we've had, we've had a breakdown in our understanding of reconciliation and half the body of Christ for the 
past several hundred years have has struggled to believe they were reconciled, let alone being able to 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 hand a message of reconciliation to somebody else. And so they preach the gospel not out of a place of understanding they were reconciled. They preach the gospel in order to stay reconciled. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of people going around knocking on doors telling people about Jesus so that they can stay saved. That is a very poor motivation for ministry. Because you're selfish and self-consumed and all you're thinking about you, everyone around you is just a notch on your belt to get you favored with God. Does that sound like love? No, it's not. So what ends up happening is people encounter a selfish, fear-driven presentation that's not the gospel. You know what it does? It actually increases rebellion. Enemy plays both sides of the field. Because the more sinners hear legalism, the more sin is going to be amplified. So the enemy will raise up entities that are not preaching a true gospel for the purpose of bludgeoning the earth with legalism so that sin will pour forth like blood from a bloodied nose evil, isn't it? But but here you have been raised up in the midst of all of that and you see through the false gospel you know that you've been reconciled and you're enjoying it. Right? But here's the thing. The river of love doesn't just come to you. It goes through you. And if it doesn't go through you then many times what can happen is your heart will stagnate. You get bored. And then a lot of times what will happen is the, the spirit of the world will come in to give you a taste of something. Not something evil, but something to entertain you because the heart for the kingdom isn't there like it used to be. And then you feed on it a little more, spirit of the world stuff, feed on a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. The more you feed on it, the less the desire for the kingdom is there. Even though you're saved, even though you're the righteousness of God, you're a child of God. But as the, because the spirit of the world also really tried to infiltrate during the pandemic as well. And I'm not just talking about fear, but I'm talking about like addiction. I'm talking about like uh, coping mechanisms, you know, a little bit, you know, too much alcohol, you know, too many prescription pills, whatever. Too much entertainment, too much sleep. People looking for a way to escape, you know, and um, that has been, you know, they don't talk about the numbers of suicide and depression and substance abuse when they talk about COVID numbers. They just focus on the health end of things. Ladies and gentlemen, the mental health of America has been attacked. And it's a coordinated effort with everything that happened in the natural and the kingdom of darkness. And so in, in your season of escape, you could have walked down some roads that you shouldn't have walked down. And then what happens is, now, now you're still forgiven, you're still the righteousness of God, but how many know you can lose a taste for the things of the kingdom? You know? And and I'll tell you that, that how many know that a river has fresh water, stream has fresh water? You know, I'm from Kentucky, and so we got ponds. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys have here too, but... How I many you know a pond can get really gross 
like the pond, like you don't want to swim in a pond. You know, all the the algae and the nastiness in there, it can get really nasty. Well, the thing about it is, you know, even though you're a child of God and even though you're the righteousness of God and you have all these things, they're not going to be taken away from you. You were designed to do what I'm talking about. See, we're all ministers of reconciliation. That's your primary ministry. But I mean, you know, um, Chris has what I would consider call a pure teaching gift. He's a he's a pastor and he has a pure teaching gift, and um, he is going to teach wherever he's at, no matter what's going on. Amen. Like it burns inside of you. You know, it's a powerful gift. And so, but he his 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 gifting is going to be expressed from a reconciled position. You follow me? My gift is going to be expressed from a reconciled position. See, when someone presents a message that's not a message of reconciliation, it's actually a message of condemnation or legalism, it's actually tearing the kingdom down. It's not building it up. I don't care how many people are crying. I don't care how many people are down at the altar. I don't care how much of an emotional response you have or how many little cards you filled out. If you have caused people to doubt their salvation... Because of their conduct, you have done a disservice to the cross, and you are not a builder, you're a bulldozer. Now listen, now, and, and I'm not deriding the individuals, because uh, how many know they're good people? They really are, man. They're, they're, they're our brothers, they're our sisters. Can you get an amen? Come on, don't lose compassion for those people. Amen? No, no, they have a zeal without knowledge. And so they're doing more damage than good. God love them. But as for you, you've been invited to something different. How blessed are you to know that you are forgiven and loved? How blessed are you to know this gospel? Is it not worth everything you've been through? You know what I'm saying? I, I feel Paul when he says, I can't it all but done. Because, how I many you know, a lot of times you'll lose everything for this gospel. You'll lose your friends. You'll lose your position. You know, as soon as I embraced it, I mean, I, I got kicked out of everything I was involved in. I lost my, I lost my uh, pastoral, my pastorship. I lost my, well, the house that I lived in because we were renting it from the people in the church. I lost all my friends that I had spent 14 years doing ministry with. I lost, you know, no no check coming in, no finances. I've been doing this my whole life, you know, since I was a kid. And I moved into my mom's basement with my family with no money. And it was really scary. And at the time, I didn't know why, you know. Because, I mean, how many know when you go through some hell like that, it's easy to question God. It's easy to be like, why in the world am I going through this? I have served you. What What's going on, you know? And I didn't understand everything at the time. And, uh... But now, on the other side of that divorce, because that's what it was, it was a divorce, I, it is worth every sleepless night, everything I, we went without, all the friends I lost, all the position, the title, the paychecks, all of that, Jesus is worth more than everything I had to give up in order to get a hold of this truth. I mean, oh, this is the pearl of great price. This is the treasure in the in the field. Amen. I mean, oh, his name is Jesus. 
To know Him like this is worth more than anything that that world can offer. Can I get an amen? Now, see, you know Him like this, right? How many know that He wants to be known by someone from someone else through you? See? Because, because your veil is rent, you have a clear picture of the King. And because of that, his reflection can be seen in your eyes as you stare into the eyes of the people. Come on, man. See, this love that you've been enjoying, it's not going to pond up and be um, and not flow. This love that you've been enjoying, it wants to flow through you. And I'm here to tell you, as the good news flows through you, it's going to change you. It's going to give you a deeper revelation of the covenant. It's going to give you a deeper revelation of the love. It's going to energize you. It's going to strengthen you. When we finish the evangelism and stuff that we do, we go out every Tuesday night and we just go on the streets and we just share the gospel. When we're done, we're all so full of joy and full of energy. You know, we just circle up and pray, like right there on the street once we're finally finished. And like, there's just a joy that's emanating off of us. Because the kingdom is having expression through us. You know, because we, we live in this world where, where everything's trying to tell you, don't talk about your faith. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't witness. Put up your Bible. Shut up. And um, don't allow that to happen to you. Amen? Don't let that happen to you. No, no. Go forth. You know? Because here's the thing. Everybody in here, you make contact with people that I don't make contact with. And you make contact with people that the other people in here don't make contact with. So you're a doorway of Christ for people. And he, he wants to step through you into somebody else's life. And so... And the thing about it is that the challenge of this age is this age would make you stressed out and freaked out and make you feel like you have so much going on, you just got to take care of you. You got to take care of me. I got to take care of me. I got to take care of me. Now listen, I, I'm not denying the fact that the most important thing that you can do is receive from the Lord. Never, never, please understand that. You can't give what you haven't first received. Amen. But we can get so tunnel vision with our own stuff that we're going to walk right by somebody who needs you to pray for them. You know, even even just even just you know human interaction in general is strength right now. You know, like when you're out and stuff, like you know, it used to be you know you'd make at least make conversation with people, but now nobody knows whether someone wants to talk or doesn't want to talk or whatever. And so, like, there, there's, this, there's this extreme sense of isolation that's hit all of humanity. Not even just being in your home, but even in a public arena where you can't see somebody's face and you can't see if they're smiling or what their countenance looks like or any of that. And you don't know how far away you can be from and all this stuff. There's a dark cloud that's come to separate. And I just want to tell you, stand against it. Stand against it. Stand against it. Because, see, the, the gospel is referred to as shoes, right? 
feet shod with the gospel of peace in the in the armor in the um, the uh, armor of God. How I many know your shoes you have wherever you walk? You know you have your shoes on, right? And what that means is, because your primary part of primary ministry is out there, not in here. You get filled up, so you take it out there. We get ministered to, we help each other, we encourage each other, but most of ministry is out there. And and so, if you'll walk in your life with a daily awareness of who does God want me to minister to? Who does God want me to pray for? Who does God want me to... Because thank God for the evangelists, the events where we hit the streets and we start to normalize witnessing and sharing our faith. But the purpose of that is to make you comfortable in it so that you'll do it in your daily life. That's where it really, that's that's really, God can just unction you. God can just lead you. Take it an amen. And, and, and what will happen is, you know, you're partnering with the Lord. You know, he, he, um, he, he'll set you up. I mean, you know, there are good works that are foreordained for us to walk in. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you the softball pitch and just set you up. He just needs you to swing. Amen? Because, you know, ultimately, how I many you know God's the one that gives the increase? God does everything. But he invites us to be a part of what, he, what we do. You know, the clearest example of it, you know, I have a three-year-old boy named Eli, and he loves to help. Okay? Loves to help. In fact, if he doesn't get to help, he will be upset. So he needs a job. He loves, he's got a great work ethic for a three-year-old. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, he, he will stick with you in a project until it's done. It's amazing, you know. And uh, it's pretty cool. But, but you know, so, for example, carrying the groceries in, right? Eli needs he wants to carry some groceries in, right? 15-year-old, i got to track him down to carry the groceries. Yeah, i got to call him and text him and send him the smoke signals. Hey, we need some help out here. Eli, he's at the door. He's ready. Come on, Dad, what are we going to do? Give him something to carry, you know? And he's like this big. You know, he's just really funny. But, uh, and so when I'm doing the groceries, I have to set aside Eli's stuff. Like, okay, here's a small bag. You can carry that. Eggs, no, you can't carry that. So, now, it's harder work for me to include him. It'd be easier for me to just take it in. But it's a joy for, for my son to join me and help me. Even though I could do it better by myself, I love having him involved because I like to see the joy of him partnering with me. Ladies and gentlemen, everything we do for God is exactly like that. God could get it all done on his own, but he chose to do it through us. So never feel like you're not good enough or you're not if you're not insufficient and you can't do it or you don't have the personality type or all the millions of excuses that are going to hit your mind. Know this, Daddy has invited you to come and help him in his kingdom, and Daddy's ultimate goal is to save souls. At the end of the day, that is the most important thing to God, is that his kingdom would be numbered with many, many, many children. It's his will that none would perish. I mean, that is our, that's our ultimate goal while we're down here. Amen? And so, uh, step out. You know, it, it, we're, 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 we've got this word of reconciliation, right? I mean, oh, God has always struggled to find laborers for his harvest. <laughs> God, God's always had, you know, like an employment problem. <laughs> Looking for help. <laughs> he has. 
all the time. He always talks about it. I'll just read one to you. Uh, Matthew 9, 37, you don't turn there, but then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen? How many know that the greatest seed that was ever sown was Jesus Christ? And so, but do you know how well that crop yields will be dependent upon us putting in the sickle? You play your own. Amen? How many of the seed is great? How many of you think maybe the harvest should be great too? Because the seed was so great. But the harvest isn't going to happen without us. See, the thing that I post to you, shouldn't the people that understand the gospel be the ones that are sharing it? And, and what's happened is we, we, we've all went through hell in legalism and evangelism and church outreach and tent meetings and potlucks and visitations and to where, I mean, our, we just, our, 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 our hair's peeled back and we're frazzled out and we're, you know, and then we hear grace and we're like, oh gosh, God, let me sit down for a minute. Oh, oh, this is wonderful. Evangelism, no, it's cool, it's finished, the work's finished, it's cool, it's good. You know, prayer time, no, the work is finished, it's good, I'm chilling. And how many know you have, like, this season of this? And you know it's important? And you need it. You need to be set down and told that you are loved apart from anything that you do. Right? And you need to sit and incubate in that until your wounds are healed. But 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 then like God's like, Okay guys, are you rested? You got my yoke on you? It's easy, it's light. Come on, let's go get the harvest. <laughs> and all the great people be like, ah, oh, Lord, that's works. Praise God. What are you talking about? Lord, trying to get me in legalism. You want me to do something? Are you? What's going on? I thought we was chilling. We rested, Lord. We rested. <laughs> and then God's got 15,000 legalists out here jacking up the, the field. Out here just hacking fruit off. And, ah, you know what I'm saying? And digging up the ground. And the people that know how to do it are chilling. You know, not, maybe not straight across the board. I'm not saying everybody is. But I'm saying that, like, there's, there's a different season upon us. There's a transition. And God's saying, hey, come on. You know how, you know how much I love you. You know you're forgiven. You know the cause is a success. You know this. You know that you're reconciled. Now, come on. Let's reconcile some others. Come with me. Let's do it, you know? And so that's what I really feel like the Lord is saying to people that understand the gospel. Amen? And um, it's and it's different now. Let's turn to Jude chapter 1. And I want to show you two different laborers in the field. But, you know, my, my approach has changed. My message has changed. This is what I do, okay? And I'm not saying this is what you should do, but I just, because the thing that I really begin to get intrigued with is I want to preach the gospel to unbelievers. Unbelievers. I want unbelievers to hear this message. Because if you look at the book of Acts, the power was in the message. 
The healing was in the message. The, 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 the signs and wonders, were they were all in the message. As they preached the message, the Spirit moved. And so, but, and the church needs the message. And they, But I want unbelievers. So what do I got to do? I got to go get them. You know? Now, praise God, you can invite people to your church, and that's great, and that works to some level. But you got to go get them. And so, I thought, I, I just, I'm going to preach the message. I want to put faith in the message. Like, not in me, not in anything to do with me, not, not, none of me, but just the message. Because the message is where it happened. It's the powers in the message, right? And so, and so, I just wanted to start sharing the message. So, I, you know, I'm street preaching and stuff. And it's cool, and it's, it's fun, and it's exciting. And when you're street preaching, I mean, you're basically sowing seed into people's hearts. You know, I'm, finally there's someone on the, on the Capitol steps or the street corner not preaching sin. Not preaching condemnation, but preaching the true gospel and that God loves people. Amen. How many know there needs to be more of that? And so, I kind of look, I just kind of look to people, right? And I just, and I look them in the eye, okay? And I say, God loves you. That's my opening line. Barely hello or anything. Just, and see, because I know God loves me, when I share it with them, I know God loves them. And there's conviction in what I'm saying. This is not a passing, God loves you. No, this is look into somebody's eyes and tell them. And God loves you. And then I say, God loves you more than anyone has ever loved you. And so, like, those are like my two, like, opening lines, right? And, and, and so, because it's true, right? I mean, it's true. And you know what I found? People get immediately disarmed, and they just open up, and then I can start taking the conversation over into Jesus, taking the conversation over into, uh, uh, do they need prayer for something, you follow me? But, like, I'm just opening with the gospel, with no strings attached, just the good news, and man, it has been so effective, and people are hungry to be loved. I'm not stepping up to them, telling them what they're doing is wrong. I'm not stepping up to them, talking about their sin. I'm not judging them. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I don't ever see that in the book of Acts. Like, you go to the book of Acts, you don't, you don't see them standing up, judging the Roman soldiers for their sin. They just preach Jesus. How I many you know it is the Spirit of God's job to convict them of unbelief in Christ? It's not your job to do that. That is not a human job. That's not your part. Your part is to preach the message. Sometimes it will be received. Sometimes it will re be rejected. Sometimes it will be indifferent. Your job is not to change the heart. So you can't strong arm someone into sanctification or discipleship or even belief. Fit too much time trying to strong arm people into praying a prayer so we can feel good about our own efforts. And so, you know, belief flowers, like it blooms, it blossoms, where the, where the water is poured. You follow me? And so, like, just preach the gospel. And so, anyway, and we have just had the most marvelous time. It's just been absolutely amazing. Now, periodically, people will reject it. But I'd say 80% 80, 80 of people just are receive happy to know that God loves them, man. And, man, we, we've, 
you know, no, all the racial barriers have dropped. You know, we're all sitting out in the streets holding hands, praying. No, all this stuff, they're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to convince us we hate each other, and we don't. <laughs> we don't. And I know that there are foolish people out there on all sides, but how many know the kingdom is greater than the malice of man? Preach the gospel. So anyway, so I, we've just been doing that, and we've been having amazing results. And, and, and I know that God's not just calling me to do it. God's calling me to, to stir people up in this area. Amen. And because you are a minister of reconciliation, you are. You know, you just are. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you encounter Jesus, you become a minister of reconciliation. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, why is it so important to keep yourself in the love of God? I mean, you know, it's like the most important thing in the world, right? Um, keeping yourself stirred up in that love, amen? Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life. Now listen, this is two different types of laborers. And some have compassion, making a difference. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now these are, these are two different forms of ministry. I mean, you can get somebody saved through fear. Oh, yes. Yeah, you can. I got saved through fear. Um, it'll, it'll get you saved. It will not give you a relationship, though, of any depth. But you can, you can, you know, fear is a motivator. You know, you can, you can, you, I mean, you can scare a child into obeying. You can scare somebody into the kingdom, but it's not going to have lasting I mean, fear is, I mean, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's clean. It's wonderful. It is the beginning. It's really just honoring God above everything else and, 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 and respecting Him or anything else. But how many know the end of the commandment is love? And, and, and ultimately, God, under the new covenant, has the ability to motivate you with love, whereas in the old covenant, He couldn't motivate them with love because they were spiritually dead. And because they were spiritually dead, that their primary motivation was fear. So it was the beginning, but it's not the end. Are y'all tracking me here? And so anyway, and so it says, And some have compassion, making a difference, but others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating the garment defiled by the flesh. That's more righteousness. Hating the garment defiled by the flesh. How many of you know many times righteousness referred to as the robe of righteousness? So these individuals are not respecting righteousness. They think righteousness is defiled by the flesh. And how I many of that's that that's the legalistic mindset? You follow me? They they have no understanding of the fact that people are right with God. They have no understanding of the gospel, but they still save with fear, hating the garment, hating righteousness. Sad, isn't it? Chris talked about it last night, but you know people get really offended by the concept of being right with God through faith. It's always been that way. But how I many of these are still people who are getting the work done? Again, amen. Thank God for some of these condoms, or some of us would have never got saved. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many of y'all got saved through a grace church or a message of grace? One. Yeah. Well, the, my point being is, grace churches are not evangelizing. They're leaving it for the legalists. 
and God's calling us out into the field because we understand the harvest. Others have compassion making a difference. That's you. That's me. Are y'all tracking me here? And the legalists have been doing the work. But how many know that God always saves the best wine for last? How many know the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former? How many know the message of righteousness will exceed much more in glory than the message of condemnation? So, like, it is upon us to take what we have received and to share it. Turn to Luke 14 and we're going to close right here. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> if Jesus were coming back in a year, two years, and I'm not making a prognosis by any stretch of the means, but let's say he was coming back in six months, what would be the most important message? Salvation. Get people saved. Ships leaving. Get on board. Amen. And so what if he is coming soon? And we need to now start to share the good news with the world. Not just enjoy it for ourselves. Amen. Some of, some of you, you've got problems that when you start sharing the good news are going to go away. Wait, come on, Jeremiah. Well, but how, many, how, how many of he that waters is watered also himself? See, when the good news comes out of you, that living water strengthens you on its way out. There's power when you testify of your faith in Jesus. You're called to be a witness. The Spirit of God came to make you a witness. And so when you witness, there's power in it. It does something for you. Even when your witness is rejected, it does something for you. That's why we do baptism. Part of the reason we do baptism is to, to give a witness. Let, let, let's testify that a new creation is here. I mean, do we overcome by the, the, the power of our testimony, amen? So you have the gospel and you have your story. And that's more powerful in the streets than any theological hermeneutical sermon. Because you are a letter. Come on, you are a letter. You're a letter. You're written by God. You, you are a piece of music, right? There are major notes and there are minor notes. How many of you have highs and lows in your life? It's what makes you your life. But how many of your, your lows give resonance to, to the lows within other people? And, and your story, what you've went through, your vulnerability, you're opening up, you're showing who you are, you're sharing your testimony. How many of will change people's lives? You know, see, Paul, how many know Paul's a pretty smart guy? You know, God used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. But it's like Paul, Paul just had one sermon, though. Like, everywhere he went, he shared his testimony. Look at the book of Acts. He's always telling his story. I mean, he knew more than his story. Clearly, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he knew that there was power in his story. And the power in his story would change people's lives. I mean, ministry is life on life. You're a letter. You're an epistle. But can't nobody read that letter unless you open your mouth. Open your mouth. 
Talk to somebody, man. Pray for somebody. First time you did, see, it's, you know, I dare say evangelism, you know, especially with the pandemic, you know, it's kind of probably ain't done it too much. And then coming out of legalism and getting into grace, probably haven't done too much. So the first time you do it, you will probably be terrified. And um, and the enemy is going to do everything in the world he can to stop it. But when you step out and you talk to somebody, you pray with somebody, there's a breakthrough that's going to happen in you. I mean, anytime you conquer a fear, something happens. And, and what will happen is your faith in all these other areas of your life, like, increase. Because one more foothold of fear has been knocked out of your mind. I mean, you know, fear will, fear in any area, it'll feed and it, it, it'll leak into other areas of your mind. Fear can't be compartmentalized. You know, it, it, and so when you kick this fear out, it's going to have impact in other areas of your life. As you share this gospel, it's going to do something for you. Some things that you struggle with. You know, a lot of times, you know, I mean, you know, David, if David would have just continued to war, he would have never been tempted. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I mean, you know, David got in trouble because when he was supposed to be out fighting the kingdom's battle, he was up on a rooftop staring at a girl. But if he'd have been in battle, he would have never been tempted. Yeah, man. If he'd have been busy about what he was called to do, he wouldn't have time for the enemy to bring temptation. Amen. And, and sometimes, you know, we've grown a bit lazy and sluggard with grace. And it's time to change. You know? No condemnation. No condemnation. But uh, a good father corrects his children because he loves them. Because he's concerned about their trajectory. He's concerned about where they're going. I mean, you can't get where you're going without correction. You know, I mean, we drove here today through a series of corrections. We didn't notice. Right? Same way now. So truth will come, and I feel like there's a little correction coming to, you know, grace movement or grace churches or whatever you want to call it. I mean, really, it's just it's the gospel. It's Jesus. But we love names, and we love logos, and we love stuff like that because we're humans. But there's a, there's a little bit of correction that's coming in um, because it, now it's you have a well that you drink from. Follow me? And that well is for you. But out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And you're, you're, there's something that's called to flow through you into the earth. And it's called to do it through your personality. Never try to be somebody else. Never try to be like somebody else. You be is so important. We need authentic you. We need original you. You follow me? You be you. Just like if I wore Chris's jacket up here, that's not me. That's him. And he's beautiful in who he is. And I can celebrate who he is and receive who he is. But I don't have to feel like i got to try to be like him. I've got to be me. If I try to be him, then the world is robbed of me. If he tries to be me, then the world is robbed of him. And we're both players on the same team. And it's the same for we need each other. We all need each other. We need the giftings. We need the strengths. We can't. We can't be intimidated by diversity. We can't be intimidated by people that are different, even people that believe a little bit different. 
We've got to be willing to stay students and to recognize that our strength really is in our diversity, but our unity is in Christ. Amen? And, um, and so, just like an instrument, you know, let's take a woodwind, for example. How many know that the same air blows through the flute and the trumpet and the saxophone? Amen? Same air, different instruments. Well, it's the same Christ, but there are different instruments. And you have a song to sing that nobody else can sing. You have a witness to share that nobody else can, can witness. And so never think that you don't have a story or a testimony. Well, I don't have a testimony like Nicole, you know, and I was raised, you know. It's almost like people, we get weird and we're like sad because we were raised in a good Christian home because we don't have a cool testimony. Like, oh, I got mad one time, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, like, I drink coffee, you know, and it's like, and, and then people feel like that's somehow like not as good a testimony. No, that's a wonderful testimony. That's the greatest testimony, that you have a heritage of faith. I want my son not to have my testimony. I want him to have that testimony. So don't, we, we can't belittle that. Uh, because, you know, nobody's any better than anybody else. Nobody's getting to heaven without Jesus anyway. There's no such thing as a greater or lesser sinner. It's not graded on a curve. You're either alive or dead. And so, you know, and so, but here's the thing, like, you know, like my wife, for example, she's very temperate, self-controlled, medial, you know, personality. And so, like, she didn't do all the crazy stuff that I did. And so, you know, but she, how I many you know she still needed to get saved? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so people that have her personality can hear her voice and her story better than they can mine. You know, well, I'm just crazy drug addict lunatic, you know. People that were crazy drug addict lunatics can relate to what I have to say. But, like, people with her background, they can't understand what goes on inside of, of here. You know, like, they're like, you, you know, I mean, for, and without the Lord's help. But, like, they just think, what's wrong if you quit doing drugs? You know what I'm saying? But those of you that have dealt with addiction, you know, it's just not that easy. But how many know that her story is just as important as my son's story, as your story, because different people are going to be able to receive from you. Can I get an amen? You are beautiful. You show Jesus. The world needs Jesus in you. Amen? And, and just let him, let, him, let him come on out. Not just in here. Out there, in the bakery, in the coffee shop. In the grocery store, in the marketplace, in your, in your, um, in your job, you know, just let. And, and, and the key element it says those that have compassion make a difference. But earlier in that passage, it said, uh, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Key elements: love. Listen, it's a no strings attached message. You're not trying to get anything from anybody. You're just trying to give. You're just giving, right? It's so freeing. To be able to care about people and love people. Oh, it's the greatest freedom. Sometimes I'm in it, sometimes I'm not. You know, sometimes I'm in that, you know, the jet stream of God's love, you know, and it's flowing out of me. And sometimes I'm just selfish and grumpy. <laughs> you know, it's true. And I think that's a part of the human existence. You know, sometimes we're in the spirit, sometimes we're not, you know. But but it's okay, because God loves us, you know what I mean? And there's no, but you're, you're, but you're that little kid that's been invited to work with your dad. You're that little kid, you know. And, you know, and like, and then sometimes Eli be working with me and, you know, and then, you know, he has a little fit or 
tantrum because he can't use the tool that he wants. He wants real tools, not fake tools. He's totally past fake tools. He wants my tools. They're, all, they're not even my tools anymore. They're his tools. He now has all the tools. He has a little tool bag. He loves to fix stuff. So just loves it, right? And so if he doesn't get the tool, that he, I mean, he can't have every tool yet. You know, like, nail gun, you're not ready for it, son. I'm sorry. You know, the last thing on God's green earth we need to do is put a nail gun in Eli Johnson's hands because he will rise up and probably rule a third world country, man, because that's the type of personality he has. <laughs> not kidding, man. Praise God. He's going to be mighty for the kingdom. He's going to be mighty. There's a strength in him. There's a God-given strength. Amen. But anyway, if he gets mad and he pouts and he and he walks away and is not going to continue to help, how many know that the next time that I need help, I'm ready to invite him back? You, you, are y'all tracking me here? So just because he sat out a couple, round, a couple rounds doesn't, doesn't mean he lost his position. Isn't our, isn't our God so good? You're invited. You're invited to come to help. You don't have to in order to stay in the family. You don't have to in order to stay in the family. But because you're in the family, it is kind of fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a, there's a, there's a joy in a life to outside ministry that is not present on inside ministry. And I'm not belittling inside ministry at all. It's the primary thing that I do. It's very powerful. We have to have that in order to have this. I mean, you gotta you got to feed and receive in order to give. But there's something about getting out there that there's just a joy in it, man. And, and I think that for some people, it's kind of like what you've been missing and you didn't know you were missing it. You follow me? And so, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. But uh, the, just the, the, the final, did I tell you guys Luke 14? This is the last place. I'm just going to read this and we're going to close. Because, I mean, you know, many times Jesus, he gave parables about the kingdom, right? He's telling us what the kingdom was like. This is one of those times. Luke 14, verse 15. It says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are, are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it and I ask I ask you to give to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to go test them and I ask you to have me excused. So another said, I married a wife and I can't come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and then the master of the house being angry said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind the drug addict, the prostitute. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and there is still room. To me, these are, these are different phases of the church as Jesus' return is imminent. Initially, there's this kind of lukewarm, lackadaisical approach. Like, what I have in my life is more important than what you're asking me to do. How many know that at the end of our lives, ultimately, we were created by Him and for Him? 
And so what you're taking into eternity is not how many cars you have, how many houses you have, how much clothes you have, how far you were in your career. I mean, what you're taking into eternity is how you serve the Lord with what was given to you. Amen? And once again, I want to relay this. We are all ministers of reconciliation. This is a call on everybody's life. Everybody. Everybody. This is the call on everybody's life. Amen? And so initially there's this lackadaisical attitude. And then eventually it kind of, it, it upped and, you know, he's like, go get all the, the, you know, the people who appeared, the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. So he did that, right? So there was just more of an urgency that was happening. But I want to I take you to the final level of urgency. What do you think about the week before Jesus returns? Two weeks. Three weeks. Two days. Six hours. There's a level of urgency that I don't think the world has ever seen in the kingdom. I think the level of urgency will be even greater than the book of Acts. Because how I many of the end of the thing is always better than its beginning? How I many we started with the fiery outpouring of the Spirit? How I many know we're going to end with an even more fiery outpouring of the Spirit? We're not just going to pander out like a wick that's burned down. No, we're going to, we're going to, um, I hear the Lord. The Lord's playing the keys. You do that on your phone? How do you do Are you doing it back there? Okay, that's cool. I was just curious. I, you just never know how technologically savvy anybody's got. He had his phone. I was like, this dude does all the cool stuff. Because like, he's got a, he's got his pad and his iPad over there, and he can, he can it's cool. Like, you, you do, I noticed there's some skill in what you do. You're doing a lot of different stuff, you know. But I thought you, like, pulled your phone out, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm sure there's an app for that, you know. Closing right here, last level of urgency. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. I mean, the very end is there's a compelling. There's not an inviting. There's not a talking. There's a quick get on the boat. Amen. You, you tracking me? How does the Bible says that um, that the end times would be just like in the days of Noah? How many of Noah was a preacher of righteousness? How many of the preachers of righteousness need to rise up and declare the message of reconciliation to a lost world? That our God's not mad and He loves them. How many know God will sort out their sinful behaviors? How many know God will he'll, he'll, he'll help them and teach them and love them? That's what pastoring's all about, you know? Walking with them, helping them bring forth fruit. And uh, that's beautiful, but that's not the, the calling of the gospel is to let them know that they're loved and that they're forgiven. All they got to do is receive, amen? So I just wanted to stir you up in that. So, and, and just kind of just, yeah, just a little snapshot of what I feel like is happening in the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, just want to take a moment and pray for you. Father, I just thank you for these wonderful people. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for your spirit upon them. And thank you, Lord, that you unction them and compel them to share what's in them. Lord, I just thank you. There's a 
little bit of an element of challenge that's been laid out here, but Lord, I thank you that this is, this is not a, a demand without a supply. They are supplied first and invited to release what's been given to them. And Lord, I just thank you for that, Spirit of God, that you continue that work in their lives and help that good news to flow out of them into their daily life. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.